0: Thanks for downloading this podcast from Brum Radio. For more programs, search our podcast page at BromRadio.com. Oh, you say you got the best oh,
1: can't you say
2: you're
0: on the Joe, I want you to go higher, right there. I can't go higher. Yes, you can.
3: I can't go higher. All right. Yes, you can. Just give it a try. Once more, please.
2: Taking all the best of
1: me Oh, can't you see You got the best of me Oh, can't you see You're bringing on the heartbreak Stop right
3: there.
2: What? What? What the hell is wrong with you now?
0: Peace. Hold on one second, okay? Hold on. Okay, play back. How do
3: you do that then? I didn't do anything. You did it. Nah, no, you it up. Listen to me, guys. You got it, okay? Now, you don't know where it is or how to find it or how to polish it once you do find it, but you got it.
2: go. Does anyone know what that was? Does anybody know what that was a clip from? Uh, I'll give you a clue. If you aren't aware that this is the Screen Brum Show here on Brum Radio Uh, and on the Screen Brum Show we talk about anything which has a screen. So whether it be a TV, a film or a computer game or pretty much anything has a screen I suppose these days but we're mainly talking about films. And what we do each week is we pick a theme and we go into a little bit of detail about it. And our theme this week, what is musical biopics? And that clip was from a musical biopic a classic of the genre, perhaps not as well known as some of the others, but it's from Hysteria, the Def Leppard story from 2001, which was a, a TV movie uh, about uh, the trials and tribulations of the British heavy metal giants. Leppard. heavy metal giants. And that voice, oops, excuse me. Uh, That voice that you heard there is that of Mr. Tim Wilson. Hello, Tim.
3: Sorry, I rudely interrupted you You there. You did interrupt. I felt the need to actually mention it was Sheffield. Well, they would if you didn't.
2: You mentioned Sheffield, is that uh, I watched the film, um, and um, it's clearly been filmed in like. You know a back lot somewhere in California, which they are um, pertaining to be Sheffield, and they don't make that much effort to be honest with you. So, you have all these buildings that look clearly um, like they're uh, they're American. Every so often, there's a Union Jack flying just randomly, uh, or in one rather egregious case, a black cab that's just sort of standing there saying, and then they get on the bus, and it's clearly one of those Greyhound American buses. Um, and then, the, in the climactic scene with the car crash, it's clearly filmed in the desert somewhere, and it's, it's supposed to be driving, uh, the guy's supposed to be driving around Yorkshire, uh, and he crashes in, in the desert, so they haven't made an enormous effort to make it to Sheffield, but, you know, at least they made the film, I guess, and, you know, the one thing I will say is that at least they had an interesting story, Death Leopard. you know, they did go through some quite incredible things, and there is a story to be told there, I guess, so, you know, if you're a fan of The Lep, are they called The Lep? No, no, probably not, are they? The Deaths? What's this? What's I know that? them as Deaf Leopard actually, well, but you know it's fine. <laughs> um, you know, but with without an A, of course. Um yeah. Deaf Leopard. Um, so yeah, that is because we are talking about biopics, and this is another vexed question: biopic or biopic?
3: Tim, do you have a view? I've. Biopic, really? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with biopic. Yeah, well, it I is two words though, isn't it? Even though I've been like
2: spelling it as one. I think it is one word. I think it yeah. is a portmanteau word. It feels like two words. Yeah. Biopic. A biographical picture, I guess. But I think we um, need to ask the expert, really, don't we? Well, let us do that because in the studio we have. Um, she's looking slightly frightened of being projected as an, an expert on. Is that an
0: expert? Especially on that word.
2: Um, and the the person that you voice you heard there, was Dr. Sabina Stent. Hello, Sabina. Hello.
0: Hello, good afternoon.
2: Um, excuse me, I'm just messing around with microphones. Uh, let's try that again, shall Okay,
0: we? sorry about that.
2: I'm no. no. a little bit quiet, aren't I? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's quite the contrary. I had okay. you up too... I turned you up too oh. loud. Um, and Dr. Stent... Hi. Um, can we call you Sabina? Of course you can. Um, and you are a... A kind of a kind of Renaissance figure. You are a writer, Am I? A, a an art historian. An what are you?
0: To live up to. How would you describe yourself? I'm a Jack yourself? of all trades. A- I'm just <laughs> I'm whatever. Yeah, that's I'm good enough for saying that. For but you
2: me. are you are a doctor of of yeah. women in film,
0: women um, in surrealism. Mm. So uh, yeah, but it- I I enjoy film. I do have a I do I've done some incorporated some film in my research, but um, I just enjoy film. I enjoy. Talking to the show about films, obviously that's how we've established this rapport over the years. So and, uh,
2: Sabina is uh, a, a, a listener who is coming in to talk about film, uh, and, and again, if you are if you are an expert or have a really interest in an area, do get in touch with us about that. And Sabina, we're going to be talking about mm. what's what's your what's what's the final word biopic biopic. Okay, yeah. I'm going to try and remember to say a biopic, but you at home can also get involved, you can tweet us at Screen Brum, um, you can email us info at screenbrum.co.uk and now this is very exciting Tim for me, um, it feels like a throwback to the, to the late 90s but we have a chat room now, a Screen Brum or a Brum Radio chat room, so if you are listening to us on your computer um, live, if you look at, next to the, the listen live button on the Brum Radio homepage there is a chat now button i think it's called chat now and uh, you'll go in there you don't need to register anything you can just put your name in uh, or, or an anonymous name and uh, you can talk to us and you can you can see other comments i don't know how it's going to work this is all very uh, i was going to say high tech for me um but uh, we'll give it a go but you can try us many multiple ways you can tweet you can email us and what we want to know is your favorite musical biopics Okay, so we're going to give you a little moment to to think about that, uh, and then we're going to be back with Sabina Stent. He's going to be we're going to be talking through some of these Sabina, and mm-hmm. perhaps some of the kind of classic classics of the genre, or things that really illustrate a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll be back shortly so this track here i'm going to play from you is uh, from great balls of fire which is the um, biopic of jerry lee lewis starring dennis quaid and winona Ryder, from 1989 quaid um and this is um the track is called it's not by it's not a jerry lewis track um per se it's uh, david kemper and it's that lucky old son a sucker for a bit of honky-tonk piano. Um, but uh, we are going to be talking, and we're going to be allowing Sabina Stent to actually do the talking. Now, Sabina, yes. you, you chose this subject. It's an interesting one. Yeah. What is it about these, these, these films that you're interested in? Um,
0: I'm interested in any biopic, whether it's um, a musician, whether it's an artist, whether it's a writer. I'm just curious about... Um, lives and different lives, and um, if I enjoy an artist, if I enjoy a band, I want to hear more. An actor, even I'd like to hear or learn more about their about about them. Hmm. Um, it's like why I, it's, it's also a reason why I enjoy reading autobiographies and biographies. So I think um, with music, with a, a musical biopic, you have the the added beauty of listening to a song that you like while watching uh, um, their life story, or whatever it is about their life, play out on the screen.
2: I guess the question uh, the, for me, the tension is in this uh, in that area: is mm. do I want to go and see these films because I like the artist I, I, as a, as their art, or do I want to see them as a person? And there's a tension, there, you isn't it? Yeah,
0: tension. Yeah, I think I think it depends on the person. I think you can be. You can, I th- yeah. I think you can. Some people go into a film not knowing anything about the person whose music they like, and they okay. they discover something completely new. Um, other times, you'll watch a film and you realise, oh, I didn't know that you, that was their their mm. song. And and so I think it kind of works both ways. But I understand what you mean about tension. Um, it can, and that tension can sometimes. Work in your favour. Mm. It can sometimes backfire, absolutely abysmally. <laughs> so, as we have seen quite a lot of in the the current release of, of *Bohemian Rhapsody*, yeah, which I mean, is a film I haven't seen yet, and I've got I've got reservations about seeing it.
2: I, I Tim, you're a big yeah. Uh, so, sort of, Tim Wilson, if I haven't introduced you properly, is is obviously our co-host on the show, and you are a, you are an un a bashed queen fan aren't you mega huge so, off the scale have you seen the film of course now here's the question because a lot of a lot of the controversy not controversy but a lot of the of the debate around this film is is, is that it's kind of sanitized or it's kind of i, I read a review that said it was a mu- uh, kind of a filmed wikipedia entry so it's kind of like this is what's happening and that's it and there's no real kind of psychological insight or or depth of relationship is that is that the case do you think
3: Okay, I, I will start. I, I start from the perspective that um, I don't know what critics were wanting to get out of this film.
2: Yeah, well, that's just the problem. Uh, isn't
3: and it? Uh, I know that there are a lot of critics that don't like Queen's music. Uh, the film is very straight. The film is very safe. Straight's but a good boy, word for it, though, isn't but it? But, boy, it doesn't, it doesn't shy away from uh, Freddy's private life. It doesn't shy away from the um, excesses that he went up to in the late 70s and early 90s. It doesn't shy away from Yeah. It. You know, you may look at the 12A rating with a certain element of, oh, it's a 12A, so they're sanitising it. Mm. Um, but um, yes, it's straight.
2: But boy, but straight is the thing. Is, is it, it's a straight washing has been the word I've heard used. That, mm-hmm. The idea that it, that that and you know his sexuality has been somewhat
0: dequeered. I've heard a lot. Of de-queering. Yeah,
2: is I mean, obviously that? we haven't seen it. we?
0: No, so yeah, <laughs> we haven't seen it.
2: <laughs> but yeah, do you do you, do you
3: not agree with that? I don't agree with that. Um, I again, I come from the perspective again as what did what were the critics actually wanting to get out mm. of this? Because if, they're, if, they're, if their if um, if thing was not to go in and have a good time, then uh, this film is all about going in and having a good time. Mm. I think, and it the- protects. They are protecting the legacy of Freddie, and they are telling a particular point in time, particular thing, um, particular element of the Queen story, which is to tell a very glorious and also a, t- a tough story of freddy as well so and i think it does it very well it does do it very wikipedia-y it does actually make some mistakes in the timeline mm. which if you're a queen fan can be annoying <laughs> but on the same token i had a joyful two hours yeah this is this it's, is this, this is the thing and i and i i'll come from the perspective sometimes that we will talk about bio, biopics sorry <laughs> it does sound and, like a medical uh,
2: procedure, I think, by our pick. I don't like uh, it. Yeah,
3: and how it—you know—it is a much maligned genre, but I do believe that Queen have always been a, a bet noir of critics. And that the the popular the popular consensus will always um, win out over that. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a
2: it's been a big coming from, from a, a snobbish something. person like me. Well, no, I think, <laughs> but I think I think you've you've really touched on the thing there though that that you know Sabina was, was talking about earlier on is, is there is this tension between why do I want to see this film and it, it, you don't have that with a norm with an any other type of film is do I want to see this. You know, because I love the music and I love the excitement of, of seeing live Aid from a different angle, or do I want to see it because I want kind of you know psychological depth? And some of these films do that, some of them don't. That's not a problem. Stop
0: I think system. with the with um we will um we rock you is is it we will rock you behaviour yeah we was taken by and Ben Elton yeah um, I think as well it's been marketed as a Freddie biopic mm. rather than a Queen biopic. So I think if um you go into it thinking it's a biography about the band, I think you may have a different perspective than if you go into it expecting Freddie's life story. And I think all I've heard in the, in the run-up to this is to do with Freddie. And so I kind of feel that I want something a bit more because... You wanted a
2: three-hour biopic about John Deacon, did you?
0: I didn't watch it. No, I didn't want that. <laughs> I, didn't want that.
2: <laughs> yeah. I also,
3: look, but I mean, I yeah...
0: Of, but yeah. I would I would I'm quite curious about him as a, as a person in someone. you know, I think that. I think
3: I would go that they're not it's not necessarily uh, their private lives are not necessarily particularly interesting apart from Freddie's. Mm. And um they weren't the most raucous controversial um
0: I think they were though in the heyday, but I think that's been
3: well, if you're talking down, about the I mean, you know is. the dwarves and the piles of cocaine and the mm. and the meats and all of the the, the parties, if that's you know that, that's all well known,
0: yeah, exactly, and it's
3: already known and told. Yeah. Um, but as people, they were quite you know they, they weren't riotous people or party animals um, in in re- yeah. reality. Yeah. Um, and I think also you know it's like we, what what would happen if you had a I don't know a a, bio, a biopic of the Beatles for example during the 1960s. Until the late 60s, I wouldn't say, you know, apart from, you know, the, the, the trap, the thing about fame and how they dealt with that. Mm. You know, you can, the, the term is mythologized, I guess. And, but I just think they wanted to tell a particular part of the story that was quite, you know, that was a positive tale. There was a down point. There are periods of decline in the band. There are tensions and they tell it in a, in a kind of rip roaringly popular way. And it, I guess in that regard, they succeed. But if you're looking for the warts and all private life stuff, they do deal with it. They do, they do showcase it. And they do it as well as they can within a 12A genre. And they were going for that. And, I, I'm, you know, I, again, I went in with apprehension because the critics were all over it. But then I realised that the critics have always been all over Queen from the get-go. So we know- I do believe that there's a lot of that.
0: I think that's um, why well because Freddie is such a loved... Figure. Yeah. I think he'll always be a very loved figure. So there's always that. You want to, I think, do him right on screen. And I think a lot of people felt that he wasn't, even though Rami Malik does a, a really, he does the best he can do with the material, because I've heard the material isn't that stronger script I could be wrong
2: I think what we should do at this point is talk about films we've seen
0: yeah Um, yeah. yeah. (laughs) all all I say is if
3: you're going in there to have a good time you will have a good time and boy does Remy Malik just absolutely throw himself Mm. at it
2: Lucy is I'm really sorry everyone Lucy's microphone doesn't seem to be working at the moment i'm going to invite lucy to come into the studio she's in a separate room to us so why don't you come in lucy and give us what you have to say about this sorry everyone our technical
3: we love technical gremlins on this show yeah it's another, that's part of
2: the deal another this deal live so this is sorry,
1: lucy it, beth our producer. it was only a, a thought i'd kind of lost interest in it to a point when so it was originally meant to be sasha baron cohen yes. um mm. playing freddie mercury
2: and Which Ben Wishaw as well at one point. Yeah,
1: and I, I thought he would be perfect for it. Me too. Yeah. But he dropped out quite a long time into the production, um, because the band were interfering to it in the in the process so much that he felt it was completely unfaithful to any kind of Reality that that was about him and dropped out when they were quite far into production. This is
2: an age-old debate, an age-old issue. Uh, issue with all of these films, I think, is that so many of the films that you know that are popular and we like to see are from bands that uh, are you know from even if they're from the fifties and the sixties, these guys are either still alive or their families still alive. Or people are, still alive. you know, there's 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 enormous amount of pressure that you what you don't get with you know you wouldn't get if you were doing one you know a, a, a a biopic of, of J.S. Bach or something. You know, you wouldn't have to worry about, you know, Bach's family getting involved or his bass player. I don't know much about Bach. probably didn't have a bass player, did he? That's not how it he had a double bass player. Very good. Many. Very good. Um, so, so um, Sabina, you have got some films you want to to talk about. Yeah. Um, would you like to... W- so we've got a sort of a broad top five here.
0: Yeah, a biopic. very, very broad top five. I kept chopping and changing. I kept swapping things around and I still have more that I would have probably we'll probably drop in as we talk about them Um, do we have any particular order or we just know?
2: begin where you want to begin
0: Okay, I think should we start with the Buddy Holly story because I think that's a that's a really good musical biopic and it's what I really want to see on screen, it's called you know, good music. It's acted well. Gary Busey is doing Gary Busey, the remarkable Gary Busey, who, um, you know, he, he sort of changed his physicality. He lost weight. So this is from about 1979, is it? Oh, 78. 78. He won an Oscar. Um, he sang live, and I think that's a big bonus if the actor is willing to go that extra mile, really inhabit. The character, mm. and it's a really it's a good film. It had complaints because they omit certain managers. They there were certain things that later on were complained about, and um, but it it covers all the certain points of him with the crickets, and then him until that that um, faithful aeroplane crash, and it's a good f- entertaining couple of hours. And it covers all the bases that you want in a Bloody Holly film. Okay, there were some some areas that, as I said, that, there were complaints afterwards. But uh, it seems to be a universally, one of the, one of the only universally um, praised films.
2: We have had someone mention it on Twitter, actually. Okay. I can't remember who it is, but that has definitely come through. And, and it made it a stage show as well, hasn't it? Yeah. I don't know how... Faithfully to it and, and a good double bill with La Bamba
0: yeah I definitely guess. same ending yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> sort of
2: yeah. it sounds a little bit bleak there an excellent choice so that is uh, 1978's The Buddy Holly Story um, and we're going to be going through um, top, top fives as well so I'm going to jump in with one while we're here as well um, of top fives because we'd like to hear from some of yours. Um, we've had loads of of people contribute already. A couple of people have mentioned um, Tim. You mentioned the Beatles' backbeat, yeah. The Beatles' film from about nineteen ninety five, I think. Midlands movies have mentioned that, and Robin J. Harmon has tweeted in about that. That's got um, a, a Ian Hart as John Lennon, very good in it. But weirdly, with that again, you had they they didn't sing it live, but they didn't also didn't use Beatles music. So there is they did covers the head of the band uh, other musicians doing covers I'm not quite sure what the the point was with that but uh, they did um, feathers and wings hello feathers and wings always great to hear from you loads of great contributions from them uh, sid and nancy
0: sid and i almost included that mm. Mm.
2: i haven't seen it but i hear a, a lot of people have mentioned sid and nancy it's not bad a-
0: it's it's good i i, Gary Oldman, I enjoyed isn't it? it yeah mm. i think the i forget who the actor is who plays nancy and she's remarkable she's very good
2: um, um, they've also mentioned what's love got to do with it.
0: That yes. was one, another one of mine that almost Is, went in.
2: Uh, great, that's Tina Turner, um, yeah, exactly. brilliantly played Fantastic. by Angela Bassett.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. She's just a, a force in that, a oh, powerhouse. No.
2: She's fabulous. Um, and Fezzling also mentioned the Buddy Holly story and uh, Nico. I haven't
0: seen <gasps> that. I haven't seen that yet. No. It's from 1998,
2: about, yeah. I presume, Nico.
0: Yes, I don't know if, it, if it's ever had a release here. I don't know if it's one of these ones that maybe Search will bring it up on
2: a DVD or something and, and Bird uh, Critton Eastwood's yes, uh, Charlie, Charlie Parker yeah. Um, so loads of great ones there um, um, the other great thing we have of course with um, this is there's loads of great music from them so I'm going to play some now and I'm going to play some from one of my um, top five uh, biopic um, and I'd be lo- love to know if you work out what it is I think it's quite obvious but um, we'll play it and see and then we'll be back so do let us know and again you can go on the chat room and chat with like-minded listeners. So let's have a bit of music. Oh, lovely. Atmosphere by Joy Division, and that is from um, one of my absolute top choices for a musical biopic, Um, and that film is Control from 2007, directed by Anton Corbin, who was the band's photographer uh, and so knew them, Um, and it's based on a biography uh, of Ian Curtis, that was made was written by his um, his widow. Um, fabulous, fabulous film in my opinion. Lovely, really interesting looking. You know the use of black and white. It is beautifully, yeah, shot. beautifully shot, and it's not just um, yeah, it's black mm-hmm. and white. Well, it's actually filmed in colour, and then it was printed in black and white. But it is uh, it looks fantastic. Obviously, great music. Love the starkness of the black and white. And that kind of almost like that kind of um, kitchen sink drama style. It looks like a kind of um, play for today from the sixties, doesn't it, the way it's filmed? Um, brilliant stuff. Um, and it, and again, it really tries to to get in behind. It's not just. It's not very joyful. <laughs> uh, it tries to understand the pain that this guy had and and the problems he had. Yeah, obviously. it's
0: not. It's not an easy watch, mm. but sometimes the most some of the most effective ones aren't easy watches. Mm. But it's it's incredible. So and. very much of an impact you feel after watching that.
2: Yeah. um, Yeah, And it's full of
3: energy. Yeah. It zings. It bristles, yeah. Yeah, I didn't leave the film depressed. I left the film uplifted. Yeah. And that's what I think Corbyn's very successfully done. And also one of the best best portrayals of epilepsy that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: It really... Uh, Well, we're getting a very strong... We're going to have to have a, 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 a contrary opinion on this. We actually are having actual laughter um, from uh, Lucy on that point now so I think Lucy's going to take me to task Lucy this. is going to I think we've got please please take me to task we we'll have for it, a Lucy. strong um, counter argument go here.
1: <laughs> see I have major I adore the look of it the style of it obviously there's a lot of respect for the musicians but I quite dislike it and um, there's several reasons for that and one, I think it's quite a biased production, which it's going to be if it's based on the book by his widow. And the book is well worth reading as well. It's very emotive, and though though it is quite factual as well, um, but it, it's it feels very heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, it keeps cutting back. It's something that really bothered me. It keeps repeatedly cutting back to the washing frame. And the first time it does that is so jarring and so shocking, but it keeps doing it. Mm. And I felt like that was quite, almost quite exploitative because it keeps, it's almost like it's rubbing it in because it's sort of like, you know what this is, you know what's going to happen Mm. with this. And I... I found that really difficult. Like say, the first time is shocking and it's so uncomfortable, but the the way that shot is reused throughout the film, I felt so uncomfortable with that and not in a way of... You do feel uncomfortable with the film because it, it, it's... Well, Ian Curtis is one of my favourite musicians ever, and um, the point you made of how... Well, it deals with epilepsy. I completely disagree. But that's something that's really close Thanks. to me.
3: Sorry, I was I was I was feeling your, your hands <laughs> waving when I said that. I, I guess that it's 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 isn't it, in a way that isn't I do I, I don't know. You tell me. I'm, I'm i I stand corrected. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not sure. I don't think it's over dramatised or anything. If anything, it's kind of under dealt with, and I don't think it's very well thought through. Um, I don't think they put the time into researching that very much for it. It was almost like an aside of, oh, this is troubling, but it's um, it's a minor thing compared to his you know troubled artist kind of uh, depression and which was a massive thing of course um, but i don't think they really went into it with any kind of feeling or depth or research and that's that was quite troubling cuz there was no representation of that at all and the way that it was dealt with it was very much from an observer's perspective, which it's going to be because of the nature of a biopic and it being written by an observer. Um, but I think they could have done a lot more with that and dealt with it in a much better way.
3: I mean, I think it's dealt with simply mm. and mm. quite unsentimentally. Mm. Do you agree with
2: that? Yes, um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I I'm not sure. It's interesting. <laughs> we'll take this. We'll take this offline. It's gonna. It's gonna, it's gonna run. Oh, I really run. Good, um, very good. And and, yeah. and uh, thank you. Um, and and um, a good point related to this from, from on Twitter from Daryl Davis. Hello, Daryl. He said, "If I want to be informed, I watch a documentary. If I want to be entertained, I watch a biopic. Biopics must be considered from the perspective of those making and producing it, and that does tie into something that has just said. This idea of." You know, that is based on the perspective essentially of of Ian Curtis's wife, or or largely, and obviously a a, a big major part of the story, and she's involved with it as well. So it's this idea of, you know, does it matter? Well, it does matter, clearly, but it raises, but we're not expecting these things to be, well, we shouldn't expect these things to be documentaries.
0: What do you think, Mm. Sabina? It's it's a very difficult question because there are some documentary films of artists and then there are some film films of artists so I think it I think it depends on the material I think it depends what the initial intention is Mm. if you want to show a life story in terms of celebration or if you want to show a life story um just to inform something and I think but I think that's something as well that that can determine whether a film or documentary is successful or not. You need that clear indication what you're trying to do from the get go. There's no point making tr- saying you're going to do a serious film, then end up into like a pastiche territory mm-hmm. halfway through. It sort of change your change your mind. So I think that's something it needs to be clear. Mm-hmm. And I think it depends. What, yeah, what what you want to. If you want to focus on a, a general life, then maybe. I think I just think there's so many angles mm. to consider,
2: which is good. Which is yeah. which is why we like them. We've we've had a couple of people talk about um, uh, um, Ken Russell's um, list. He's done uh, Marla and List um, biographies, um, and uh, very. I mean, put it this way: Listmania. Um, that's List is played by Roger Daltrey. Um, there's a scene with a rather large male organ um, that he rides around on, I think. Um, and he opens the film flying a spaceship. So, you know, I'm not sure there's an enormous amount of, you know, exact historical uh, veracity in the spaceship scene at the very least. So, you know, it's about creating an impression. So, um, thank you. Uh, that's um, from Cinematics who's tweeted in about those films. Um, so, Sabina, we've okay. talked about the Buddy Holly pic- that movie. Is there yeah. any, any others that you want to... Uh, to have as your.
0: Um, should we go for Hilary and Jackie mm. next time?
2: Tell, okay. us, tell us about that.
0: I've chosen this one because I think it's one that doesn't really. It gets mentioned. It's a very good film about um, the cellist um, Jacqueline Dupre and her sister, the flute. Fl- Do you say flautist or flutist? I'd say
2: flautist. flautist. Like, yeah. We'll go for flautist. Let us know, audience.
0: <laughs> Hilary Dupre and um, Emily Watson is uh, Jackie and. Um, Rachel Griffith is Hillary, and it's two sisters, very close, and it follows them um, up until um, Jackie's death at the age of 42. She died from MS, so they would both grow up very close, um, very close sisters, both musical from a very young age. Um, but Jacqueline, um, she's this virtuoso cellist, and her star kind of goes stratospheric. And she becomes this world-renowned celloist. I can't say it. Um, she plays, you know, concert halls, travels the world. And Hilary goes the more domestic route of raising a family in the country, having children. Um, so you kind of... There's there's a bit when the story splits and you see from one perspective then you see from the other perspective. And um, so you see kind of there, you know, Hilary... Um, You know, originally she was the... She was the old... I think she was the older sister, Mm. I could be wrong. And she was the successful musician. It's just having her little sister grow up and become this this, um, mega star. She was like the... I know you you were saying um, when we were talking the other day about um, can films about classical musicians portray um, the subjects as rock stars. Mm. And I don't think this does because... um, when Jackie finds out she has... She starts dropping her bow mid-concert. She starts profusely sweating, and it fi- she finds out she has um, multiple sclerosis. And some of the scenes are absolutely harrowing and fright. And they're just... You know, it, it's, it's quite, it can be quite a tough watch towards, towards the end. Mm. Um, it was, it was rumoured to be based on Hilary's book but it I don't think it was. I think she was writing her book at the same time the film was being written, but she got a lot of criticism. I think her own daughter said she should be ashamed of herself. Um, Judy and Lloyd Webber said it was disgusting. They shouldn't have portrayed her like this. Jackie. Um, yeah. They said it sapped the joy out of Jackie that she was They show her that she's kind of... You know, she's not... They, they said it lacked joy, it lacked joy, even when Jackie was seriously ill, that she still had this joy within her. Um, and it said it does away with that. But Hillary said she wanted... She said, you know, this was what I saw, this was what happened. Mm. So I think there's always that thing of when a family member sees something, a close family member sees everything rather than what... A, you know your friends your friends around you um but there's one scene towards the end and she's it's just before she dies and um she's having you know she's you know shaken uncontrollably but then she she's Hillary's like giving her a drink and then she blows a raspberry at her and spits the water everywhere and it's quite funny because it's something that you could see they used to do as children and she still retains that that personality in her even though she's completely you know her body is is failing her now but it's a very interesting i mean it's you know uh, emily watson is fantastic she's always always good um and even people complain that she doesn't do the the you know physicality right that um jacqueline dupre was very expressive when she played the cello she used to move around a lot she was she wasn't um, a classical musician who sat still. Mm. She was very, very animated. She moved. She swayed. And you know, it's hard to get to get it bang on, but she does a she does a good job. And it's it's a it can be a tough watch, but it's a fascinating watch. And I think that's one of these these films that are always you always hear about, you always see, and, and I think it's it's very good. Very
2: good cast as well. I, I have to admit, I haven't, I haven't seen it, yeah. uh, so I can't, I can't comment too much on it. But I mean, I, again, one thing that ca- that you said mm. there that really struck me was this idea of people really scrutinising yeah. the performer. Yes, uh, you know, because that is obviously what they're so, you know, where everyone knows them for, and it was the same with with Ian Curtis. I remember an interview with, with Sam Riley when that film came out saying, you know, he had to do, everyone was asking him, how is he going to do the thing? And it was that dance that, that Ian Curtis did. And, 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 and he had to really focus on that. And that must make it a real dimension of difficulty for the performance. And we've seen so much you know, praise, for, again, for Remy Marek and Freddie Mercury is they're, they're having to imp, imp, you know do an impression of someone doing something that they were everyone has scrutinized every molecule of their body Well, they did. And it must be incredibly daunting. Yeah. And uh, someone on Twitter, Carl Josbury on Twitter, has, has talked about the John Carpenter's Elvis movie, um, which was a TV movie, I think, from the 80s with um, Kurt Russell. No, I haven't seen it either. But um, again, many people really, really praised his impression. It, was, it, you know, it is an impression, I suppose, isn't it? But um, yeah, very good point. Keep your tweets coming in. Anyone who, uh, who has seen Um, Hilary and Jackie, uh, let us know what you think of it. I'm going to play some more music now before we get back into it. I'm going to play music from another uh, classical music um, performer. This is, um, if I can find it, this is from The Pianist. Anyone seen this Yes, love it.
0: Years ago, yes.
2: Mm. Um, And uh, this is uh, a piece of music from there, Prelude in E Minor by Chopin. No, it isn't, because something is going a bit wrong with our player so we're going to until whilst i'm trying to sort that out um i'm going to play you something else um he said oh i don't know what it is i know what it is it's the old classic of blake's lefty's book lying on the keyboard and pressing the um, the buttons down simultaneously do you, know,
3: do you remember a show was there a show i remember when we did many months ago where your daughter was in the spotify playlist that you're playing from yeah that
2: we're (laughs) we're trying to pretend that doesn't happen but she was listening to so mamma mia here we go again was cutting out a lot (laughs) um as we as we went on let's have another attempt uh if we can still not working properly at prelude in e minor any joy for this anyone anyone want to play some music no don't know what's going on here. Um, so whilst you're all chatting amongst yourselves, and I'm panicking. Maybe
3: Roman Polanski is being embargoed here.
2: Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, Controversial let, statement. Let's um, Sorry. let's uh, play. I'm going to play you um, a clip now from one of my uh, top choices here for a biopic, and I'm not sure whether that you're going to let me have this because it's not really a biopic of a musician. I'm not sure. So I'm just going to play the clip um, and uh, hopefully many of you will know what it is.
1: Tony, you did a good job. Basically, you were right. Sean is the greatest poet since Yeats. This is amazing. Can I have it in writing? It is already written in the sinews of history and the hearts of man. It's a pity you didn't sign the Smiths, but you were right about Mick Hoeknall. His music's rubbish and it is... Vinnie Riley, by the way, is way overdue a revival. You might think about the greatest hits. It's a good idea. It's good music to chill out to. Yeah, you're right. I usually am. Are right, Sony. Yeah, I've just seen God. You did what? I've just seen God. Did you? Yeah. What did he look like? He looked like me. How do you mean? It was the double of me. Well, it's written in the Bible, isn't it? God made man in his own image. Yeah, but not any specific man. No, but if you'd have spoken to me, he would have looked like you. But you didn't. I did. And he looked like me. It's f- top gear, man.
2: Um, right, does anyone know what that was? No, so I wasn't paying
3: attention, I apologise. Tim
2: was not paying attention. I was talking. <laughs> it was It was um, from 24-hour party people, the scene where Tony Wilson... Of course. Um, brilliant, it's, it's, it's Steve Coogan playing Tony Wilson, um, meeting God, also played by Steve Coogan, um, as Tony Wilson, and um, it's, it's, I love this film, and I think possibly the fact that I've chosen both Control and This says a lot about my... Taste in music Your and my age, yes. Um, but this is a film, and I say the reason I think this may not count as a biopic is it's kind of a. It's, a, it's more of a biopic of a, of a music, Sven if you like. It's uh, an
0: industry biopic. Yes, you can exactly.
2: Say. Of of a kind of space and time, and it's got. Uh, I think actually a better. Um, performance of ian curtis than sam riley's actually it's so, um, sean harris plays ian curtis in this uh, as well or plays him possibly less sympathetically um it's a 2002 film uh, michael winterbottom is written by frank Cottrell boyce children's right. writer um i just love the way it's freewheeling and i love the way and it ties into this thing we keep coming back to about fact versus legend it very much plays with you know print the legend uh, as an idea so there's 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 specific scenes in there where the actual characters the actual people involved turn to the camera and say this is not how it happened you know they explicitly say i don't remember this um so it kind of really plays into that whole idea there's all breaking of the fourth wall stuff it's all um but it's just it's funny and it's got great music and it's freewheeling and it's hilarious um and um yeah i'll get summed up in that final scene with you know with, where he talks to God uh, at the end um, I think it's brilliant so uh, are we allowing this
3: I 100% will allow it because it creates you know I think Michael Bot- Winterbottom creates that vortex of Manchester in the scene and I think Steve Coogan is nigh on perfect as are a lot of the, sub- the, the, the other cast yeah. as well you talk about Sean Harris's Ian Curtis which is excellent yeah uh,
2: yeah, and Ralph uh, Little as, uh, as as Peter Hook. I think yeah. it's the only way you could kind of cover that period off. You know, is yeah. that whole kind of chaotic. Sean Ryder. I think Danny Cunningham plays Sean Ryder. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was uh, a clip from that. It does it again. It it, it kind of myth mytholo, mytholog well,
3: mythologizes a certain element of it. But that's perfectly cool. Yeah, yeah well,
2: and that's, well, that's perfectly fine. Rock thing, music is kind of know, inherently self mythologizing. It, it
3: kind of it, it wraps a lot of Manchester success around Tony. Wilson, I guess it does a lot of that, but yeah. that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. It has a confidence that only you would only expect from someone who's confident about doing a portrayal of Manchester at the time. I yeah,
2: think. real um, confidence. It's no, good. I loved it. Okay, love it. We're getting some. are getting so. Some, yes, you're allowed. We're getting some. Few <laughs> getting through the the barriers on that one. Lucy is nodding uh, in the other room. It's so good because we watch Lucy through the window and, and then we see her response. We can't hear her,
3: but we can see her. And then when her arms flaps, she'll come in and say something. Yeah, she'll say,
2: "We're, we're, we're wrong." No, no, it's wrong. wrong. You, you've seen it, Sabina.
0: I haven't seen it. Oh, I no. haven't seen you know, it. That's
2: your weekend. That's I tell my you. weekend
0: viewing. It's, it's joyful.
2: It is. Okay. It's, it is a joyous thing, and particularly if you view it there, man. Like yeah. I was there. I've
0: seen. The, I was. I was quite taken with the clip, with all the clips I've seen of it so far. Mm, and it's, it does look like a. A hoot. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting,
2: and, and again, it, it it uses real footage. So like yeah. Tony Wilson, as you know, as Tony Wilson appears mm-hmm. in the film, um, and you know, it just it just as I say, it's just. Steve a kind
0: Coogan's of, good though; he's very he's good, good at like making himself into these.
2: Yeah, these I, I, have you seen the trailer for Is Lauren and Hardy Firepit? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, him, John C.
0: Reilly's amazing he's good in everything the
2: prosthetics yeah. he has on as well yeah. he just looks exactly like him but they, they've got that I mean they look I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to that I hope it's going to be a great um, biopic um, so we've covered off some Tim you haven't um, given us any of your uh, your top fives is there anything you'd like to add at this point? I would like to enter Behind the Candelabra as an uh-huh. entry um, <laughs> I love this film So this is Steven Uh, Soderbergh, isn't it?
3: Yes. Uh, Post-retirement. Yes, his post-first... I think it was his first film after his retirement from movies. Because, Mm. of course, in the States, this was an HBO production. It came out as a full cinematic release in the UK. Mm. I haven't seen it as the HBO version. I've only seen it as the cinematic release. Um, So, yeah, Liberace. Now, um, yeah, I guess... If ever you were looking at a a person that you could um, put a, a... do an interpretation of a world and a, and a sort of a hyper real existence Liberace kind of personifies this mm-hmm. and then enter Michael Douglas just doing a performance that you've never seen Michael Douglas would ever have want you would never have seen him playing this role in a million years and it, I think it's possibly his life's best performance you know I mean a lot of people will, will, will give me some other entries a lot you know a lot of the cool guys will say falling down is his best performance oh yes no it's this one um And I think his performance um, creates this legend that is a guy who is both a narcissist, (laughs) a slightly vampiric narcissist, the best of times, but also a deeply troubled guy, a deeply sensitive guy who falls in love with um, a guy called Scott Tawson, who's played brilliantly by Matt Damon. um, And what it is it focuses on this spotlight of this relationship you know he produces it, seduces him and then abandons him and you also see that Scott's it's very important to actually mention Matt Damon here because you're seeing Scott, Scott Torsten's kind of evolving as well he evolves he goes through some hideous surgery um, yeah. um, and you've got you watch the film alone just for Rob Lowe's performance as the doctor Rob
0: Lowe the, is just <laughs> in a league of his own. He,
3: he, he just owns that entire... <laughs> yeah. s- and it's very, it's, all, it's very funny and very disgusting yeah. at the same time. And the film is funny. The, film, it, the, the, the scenes of Liberace performing are hilarious, and, but the stuff behind the scenes is just sad. And it's, it's me- it's, it's, it has a melodrama and it has, has a sadness. And the, the, film's, the best bit of the film is the ending, I think. The film, of, you know, portrayal of his death and the, the sort of the, the fantasy fantasy funeral and the fantasy ending, kind of it's Liberace times ma- t- m- pumped up to the max. Mm. So if you want to see a film where you see a bio- biopic, so I keep saying biopic, a biopic that kind of creates a hyperreal world that would totally be what you'd think Liberace's private world would be like, this is a, a film that does it and does it to the max. And I think Steven Soderbergh does a great achievement. And I think Michael Douglas should have walked away with the Oscar that I year. think he was not eligible because
2: it was a TV was, movie. Yeah. I think I think it, the did, thing.
3: He, did he win Emmys and did it up? I, I yeah. didn't realize it was really. a
0: HBO production. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it was an
3: HBO two-part or three-part. I can't... Mm. But I saw it as the cinematic release. Yeah. And it you know, it deserved every it deserved if it didn't, it deserved every award going.
2: In the same in the same token there is a forthcoming Rocketman uh, Rocket Man biopic of Elton John. Yeah. Um, Which I'm fearful of again. I'm quite excited, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> Just because again I could really you know he, he had some you know, he had some big stage show fun, and I think you could really have if a lot of If it's
3: channeling some of that kind of beyond behind the candelabra yeah. uh, excess, then it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I as I say, I really love Love this. And again, I think Michael
2: Douglas and Matt Damon both give career-leading performances, isn't it? Fantastic. So there is another choice for you. Behind the candelabra, Steven Soderbergh's biopic of the pianist, um, performer, larger-than-life... Character Liberace. Uh, I think pianist doesn't really do him no. justice it's as a mad. description. It's mad. Um, it's a mad speaking film, of pianists, a I'm going to have another go at playing uh, Chopin. Um, let's get us all, let's all feel classy. Okay.
0: There is working
2: Oh, lovely. So that is from The Pianist, uh, and that's a Prelude in E minor. Um, Opus 28, number four, uh, by Chopin. And um, thank you for your tweets. Loads of tweets. Really, really uh, enjoying reading those. Um, We talked briefly about um, the Elvis uh, biopic um, that John Carpenter made. Apparently, um, we have been told that Priscilla Presley, David Davis told us Priscilla Presley was paid $50,000 to check the script for accuracy. Wow on that one so that is uh, a way in um, th- we've also had loads of loads of uh, opinions on Control some people like it Hardwatch an agreement from uh, Jaws 19 that it is um, a brilliant performance from Samantha Morton um, as ever in there uh, Ricky has forgotten about behind the behind the candelabra um, so thank you for being reminded we hope um, and um, now Here's a difficult one. Keith Bloomfield has tweeted in, h- hoping we'll mention Frank. Now, this is a fantastic film, but I'm not calling it a biopic. So this is a film. I don't know if any of you have seen this. It is a film where um, it's it's really hard to explain what's going on in this it's film. It's a
0: fictionalised biopic. Can we call it? Yeah. Oh, I mean,
2: it's it's really it, the, the Frank Sidebottom was a, a character from from Manchester in the late 90s who wore an enormous papier-mâché head. I met him on a number of occasions and I have to say I had conversations with him and it is very weird because you can't see, you know, you look at his face and it doesn't, it's not at all obvious how he could see out of it. Um, so I was having a conversation with this large papier-mâché head and talking to it. Quite weird, um, I'd say the least. Um, and then uh, Michael Fassbender played him in the film, brilliantly, you know, a mega mover style, which you hardly ever saw his face in the film. But... Uh, and it is based on, on um, a book or, or a script by John Ronson who I believe did tour with Frank Southampton, did know him as an individual, so there is that level of veracity, but you know I'm not calling this a biopic, a great film Keith, um, but I'm not letting it in our, our categories, I am afraid, um, but uh, our guest Sabina Stent is um, a devotee of this of this genre do you have any other film, well let us know your next choice, Sabine.
0: Okay, um, the Runaways. Mm.
2: The, um,
0: yeah, I thought we'd go for that one. Uh,
2: it's, it's and it's about.
0: It's where well it was the formation of the Riot Girl scene, the mm-hmm. Runaways, the band Joan Jett, Cherry Curry, and it was um, it was based on Cherry Curry's book, like her 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 autobiography, if you want to say that her time with the band. So. It was written from her perspective. And in the film, Joan Jett is played by Kristen Stewart. He's very good. I think Joan Jett actually approved her as casting. It was uh, possibly
2: quite controversial yeah. at the time because Kristen Stewart was seen as a sort of... Kind of teen, teen vampire. But,
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, she, she is fantastic. She's great in everything. She is brilliant. Br- I, and,
2: and and so is Robert Pattinson, actually. Uh, mm. Both of those two from there. So yes, yeah, yeah. great choice.
0: And Dakota Fanning, mm-hmm. um, was Sheri Curry. And so um, that was. I don't think she was as well received. She she's good. She's she does a fair job, you know. And but um, Kristen Stewart's very very good in there. And their manager is played by the. Absolutely wonderful, Michael Shannon, who's who kind of steals the film as their very lechy manager, who basically who formed the band. He was like scouting Hollywood Boulevard for for young girls to form this this band that became the formation of the Riot Girls. Soon, he, he
2: did a great Elvis. Actually, if we're talking yeah. performances in Elvis in Elvis and Nixon, yes, yeah. sorry,
0: carry No, on. that's okay. No, but um, yeah, Michael Shannon just steals the film because he's that fine line between being absolutely mesmerizing and just ghastly and he just does that very very well but he's always just uh just magnetic to see and Mm. the music i mean is it was it was received not too you know it wasn't you know um it was quite mixed in, in terms of reception. Some people said it, was, it didn't go deep enough. And I think being based on Cherry Kerry's book, it only went um, it had more depth on her life, her family life, because it was written from her perspective. Obviously she didn't go into Joan Jett's family life as much because she wasn't you know, she was the one writing the book. Mm. Um, but I think it's a it's a good watch. Great music and I think that's where you want, you know, it's great to hear these songs played and yeah, it's, it's a good, fun, good, fun watch.
2: Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and when did, this came out? when did this come out? It, is this it came 2010? out
0: in 2010, mm.
2: yeah. Um, let's have some music from it then. Let's play The Runaways. And, um, you know, I'm not a, a hugely knowledgeable about them, so mm. I'm just going to get straight in okay. with, uh, you know, the core. So, you know, forgive me. Cherry Bomb. There we are. Beautiful harmony from uh, rock legend Mr. Tim Wilson there. That was Cherry Bomb by The Runaways <laughs> from The Runaways. Uh, the film uh, about The uh, Runaways, but I'd say the whole scene, the Riot Girl scene, this idea. Of
0: Cherry Bomb, When that in the film is a really good scene because Michael Shannon, who played their manager, was kind of showing them how to perform this song so he's teaching this group of girls how to perform the song that would become one of their like, greatest hits take complete control of the band
2: yes uh well this yeah. is this is the danger in all these At things isn't it? it um you see behind the the mask and um uh, thank you Dale davis for another tweet in about um behind the candelabra but we were talking about the fact that uh, Michael Douglas wasn't actually eligible for an Oscar for his performance. Apparently the film won two Golden Globe Awards and 11 Primetime Emmy Awards including well Outstanding done. Miniseries or Movie and Outstanding Lead Actor in a Miniseries or Movie for uh, Michael Douglas. Donald Davis is basically, um, he's one of our listeners that we hear a lot of tweets from and we're really, really grateful for them. He's a um, a walking filmic encyclopedia. Yeah, he probably knew that without looking it up. I don't think he. I think no, he's got I think this. He knew that. Um, so we're really grateful, Daryl, for you. Um, if we do any, if we make any terrible, terrible errors, do let us know. But you can always uh, do it offline as well. If we're uh, if we're making too much of embarrassing one, well, you don't want to embarrass us. You want Daryl Davis in your film
3: quiz. That's certainly
2: for sure. Very, very true. And thank you for lots of other um, tweets in um, from lots of people as well. Loads of really interesting ideas for films um daryl has mentioned um uh, song of norway by edvard grieg um he says it's not not necessarily a great film but it has a fantastic cast robert morley edward g robinson harry Secombe, together at last
3: off highway fame <laughs> uh,
2: yeah he's mentioned immortal <laughs> beloved as well which is um uh, beethoven as played by um uh, gary oldman who looks exactly like he does in incision um, nancy well, <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a show uh, in Dracula. I think. Um, uh, is that cool? cool. He's also mentioned "Lady Sings the Blues," uh, which I hadn't heard of. Which yeah. is Daryl Ross as Billy Holiday. Not seen it. Um, we've had "Lismania" and "Marla" by Cinematics uh, Cinema Chronicle Art has tweeted in with "Walk the Line." That
0: was one of mine. Oh we're yeah. going to talk about that
2: later. Um, Rob Shepherd of The Doors. <sighs> yeah. So, loads of contributions. That was
0: another one of mine.
2: So, would you like to tell us (laughs) about another one that you'd like to recommend?
0: Either Walk the Line or The Doors. Let's do
2: Walk the Line. Okay. So, this is uh, Johnny Cash, right? Mm, Yes. So, tell us more.
0: Um, Obviously, Johnny Cash had some, you know, he he approved Joaquin Phoenix to play him. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it, it was made shortly before... Before he'd, his his death, be, yeah. um, Joaquin Phoenix is good. He's good. He's he's not a hundred percent convincing, but he is good.
2: He again, he sings, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he sings.
0: Um, but Reese Witherspoon is she is oh, she is good. She's the, the best she Jean is Jean the best. June
2: Carter Cash is yeah. his wife.
0: She's I don't th- I think her I think she's better at the drama in the film than she is at the singing. I think her singing isn't the best, isn't as powerful. But, I mean, it's difficult to match June Carter because Jean Carter had a completely unique voice. She had that sort of gravel that is very hard to emulate. Um, but she is, she is good in that film. Um, Roseanne, Rosanna Cash didn't like the portrayal because she said it was unsympathetic to her mum because her mum was Johnny Cash's first wife who he left for June Carter and she said it was very hard having this part of your childhood that you didn't necessarily know all the details mm. of or maybe you would even she had even suppressed to some extent because when you're a child you don't see everything and she said it wasn't nice to be reminded of of certain things that had happened in the past that play out into mm. this that became this epic love story because that's essentially what the film is geared about it's, it's it's geared towards you know Johnny Cash's absolute you know rise fall rise whatever you want to call it and then his his relationship with June and i think June, you know that is the driving force of the film it just you know their relationship throughout the years as touring partners as you know eventual marriage proposal mm. and then it because kind of he proposed to her
2: live on stage, he really yes, did, didn't yeah. he? In real life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the great film, great choice. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the the thing with seems to add an extra freeze on for me on that film is the astonishing video for um just before he died, Johnny Cash recorded Nine Inch Nails'. That Hurt.
0: that song <clears throat> I but I think the, you you've seen that. the video? Yes. Because yes. that
2: to me is a film. That just just that, three and a half minutes, however long it is, is is a film that, that this is just him singing, and it's I think it is really in his house. And June Carter Cash just sort of coming down the stairs and watching him perform with a look of just unalloyed love on her face that is unfakeable, and th- it just makes me my heart sore, even th- though he's singing this incredibly sad song.
0: Yeah, I think Trent Rezler said he can never play that song live again because now it's Johnny Cash's song. Mm. It just took on an. In- tired different meaning when he, when he sang it when he he made it his own mm-hmm. it's one of the probably the greatest cover
2: I would agree and as I say I, I really if you haven't seen that video watch that as a kind of um, uh, once you've seen Walk the Line um, you know just, just fire up YouTube and watch that video as well because you know you
0: you'll be you hypnotised ca- yeah. by it and, yeah.
2: and the love story mm-hmm. that, that that film portrays between those two is encapsulated in that in that you know it's not fake you know <laughs> there's no way these people have been together for decades. I
0: think he di- he died about three or four months after she did. Yeah. It's just that thing of you, You they were together for that long, they were mm. so much a part of each other, and, and that was it. They couldn't be without each other for that, and he, for a prolonged length of time.
2: I'm filling up.
3: I think, wow, it's usually <laughs> me that fills up in these things. So. Um, I think it's the, what it does is it does the tidy Hollywood arc Thing better than most tidy Hollywood arc films do, because of the performances being so good, and also because I think the film gives a lot of time to the musical performances, mm. and they are both good. I mean, I get what you're saying about Reese Witherspoon; it's not an interpret, it's not an impersonation, mm-hmm. but I, I think that it gives credence to the greatness of the songs and the performances. As I say, I think, um, yeah, I think it's stronger than. Most of the Hollywood arc films because of the
0: performances. I think so they good. shied away from they sh- shied away from certain sort of things like Johnny's political things, like the Man in Black. That whole yeah. why he always it walks. tells a story. It's yeah, yeah. it tells a story. Um, there's a couple of the ce- couple of scenes that really stay with me. The bit when he rips the sink off the wall. That he he went full method for that scene. He did just tear that sink off the wall. Apparently he wasn't meant to, but. He did. Good
2: working
3: scene. Good um, working
0: scene. And the uh, the other bit I like is when they're rehearsing with, like, Jerry Lee Lewis, they're just, you know, the boys are rehearsing, she walks in and starts throwing beer bottles at them. I think, I don't know, I don't know what actor it is, the guy playing Jerry Lee Lewis, I think he's fantastic. I think he's absolutely, he's not in the film much, but I think he is the closest thing to Jerry Lee Lewis that I've ever seen on screen. Oh,
2: that's a, a critique of Dennis Quaid right
3: there. Yeah. But there we are. Yeah, oh, no, but name, I mean, there's yeah. a
0: short, short, sharp burst of Jerry Lee Lewis, he yeah. was phenomenal.
2: Yeah, his name is Waylon Payne. Oh,
0: OK, yeah.
2: Uh, for once, Tim managed to beat Daryl Davis to the punch. Um, I don't know. Has he tweeted? I don't know. <laughs> Let's check. Um, speaking of, th- of filling up, as I am, you may notice a slight background noise here of uh, filling up. That's because we are based uh, here on Brum Radio. We're based in um, the Warehouse Cafe here in Birmingham, and there is a party having their lunch um, through the other side of the studio. So that low mumbling noise that you may hear, it's just it's good because it sounds like a crowd filing in. Um, where we're about to do a a fantastic performance, um, musical performance. So we may do that. We may entertain them with some. I'm going to play some more music before we get into um, our our final choices. And I'm going to play a bit of Reese Witherspoon not doing June Carter Cash. Uh, Here she is. Oops. um, Here she is from the film Sing. um, And she's playing uh, Shake It Off. She's singing with Nick Kroll. I love this. Yeah. Sue me, man. I love it. I too late. Yeah, sue me, man. The joy of Shake It Off um, by June, no, not June Carter Cash, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Uh, not a biopic, but a musical film. Um, we're letting it happen. Um, again, loads of tweets, loving your contributions. Feathers and Wings approves with our comment on Johnny Cash and, and the Hurt song and the Hurt video. Uh, and uh, Darryl has, uh, Human Rolodex Daryl Davis has tweeted another fantastic um, film from director Michael Apted, Coal Miner's Daughter, 1980s. Sissy Spacek um, got uh, an Oscar for her portrayal of country legend Loretta Lynn. I haven't seen this film, but I wish I had no no one I in the studio, seen, eh? has, no one here in the studio has seen this so we will be uh, looking that one up as well at the weekend um now sabina there's another film you want to talk about yeah. which has a personal uh, place in my heart the doors mine because, too, the
0: doors uh, i love
2: in it. my case it's because um, there was a, a girl uh, at school i was um been asking out for ages and she finally agreed to come and see the film with me
0: oh
2: that was that was it we never met up again afterwards but
0: (laughs) the film was that (laughs) we
2: we did get to see it so this was what 1991
0: uh i believe it was 1991
2: yeah yeah so and oliver stone of course yes so why do you like it
0: it's what i want from a doors film if that makes sense it's everything i want it's Psychedelic, it makes me the beginning when he's the, the whole um, when he's on the um, as a child and he sees the Native American by the mm. side and that kind of haunts him throughout his life. And
2: yeah. this is because he it yeah, recounts this in American he recan- prayer, doesn't it? Yes,
0: <laughs> and I think that's I and then they they drop that in. I know that was lampooned by Wayne's world, <laughs> um, perfectly lampooned in Wayne's world, but I think it's it's as as i said it's psychedelic, and it it has that feel i've never i'm just going to say this i've never dropped acid to me the film is like having dropped acid it just it makes you feel a part of this this universe Mm -hmm. um it's heady it's quite intoxicating it's i know it it plays up the myth jim morrison is the myth um there's always that, that famous um, that famous photograph with his shirt off and they said he never looked like that. He only ever looked like that with that five minutes that photograph was taken. Uh, yeah. He was overweight. He you know, he was he was bloated by then. Um, so I think it does pay on the myth of the doors a lot. Mm. But it's again it's 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 Val Kilmer doing brilliant you know, Val Kilmer's a brilliant character actor. He does these roles fantastically. You know, I was going on about Tombstone the other, the other week. One of my favourite films. Mm. Um, and he is great. He is a good Jim Morrison. Mm. And it, I, Meg Ryan's beautiful as his, as his um, girlfriend Pamela. And actually, um, for the film, um, when she, she died, um, her, her parents had inherited Jim Morrison's notebooks after her death. And they allowed them to be used his poetry to be used in the film, on the condition that they kind of, of say, didn't sully her, uh. didn't make her you know kind of made her look, you know, j- just kind of leave her alone, don't don't sort of make our daughter look bad, mm. kind of thing. And she comes across this beautiful, ethereal
1: mm.
0: angel who, who Jim Morrison, kind of was, okay, had ups and downs with <laughs> I love ups and downs with but. Yeah.
2: But it is this kind of like almost like the kind of I was going to say very pretentiously, sine qua non, but like the kind of epitome of that Era. of that kind of but that kind of myth, myth isn't yeah. it? It's like we're, you know it's groovy. Yes, it's possibly well, groovy is possibly not the right word, but you know it is. It's it it's 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 uh, yeah. It's about the myth of that time and about the 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 sort of mythology of these people as as almost godlike. I
0: think the band weren't happy with the portrayal because mm. they said it was like Jim being drunk, Jim being this. It mm. paid on too much of that reputation rather than him as this as a singer and as a, as a poet. But it but again, you know, um, I think um, yeah. One one um, comment was that he's he he's portrayed as this out of control sociopath. Mm. And, um, you know, Jim with a bottle in his hand all the time, Jim swigging from a bottle, Jim exposing himself on the stage. But these, these things happened. Mm. But I think Oliver Stone just kind of, you know, enhances it for the screen. Well, Oliver Stone is yeah. not
2: known for straight. He's a subtle not, guy, isn't he? he's not
0: demure uh. on the screen, <laughs> <laughs> anything he does.
2: But great so, music um, as well. I mean, that's the other thing music, in this, is that you, yeah. you can't go wrong with a bit of Doors. Not everyone's cup of tea. I
0: love The Doors. I'm, I'm going to go on record saying I love The Doors because everyone hates The Doors, so...
2: It's it's this... I, you know what? It's this um, thing of, you know, now... They've suffered more than a lot of bands. I think, in that now we're, we're, we're all, you know, clever and postmodern and cynical. And, and he was utterly kind of sincere, I think. And, you know, accusations of being pretentious could be labelled. But I think, you know, I think... You know, nowadays we're not allowed to be. I think we all have to be too subtle and too. I think we're not allowed to
0: be. I think we should just enjoy what we enjoy. And if we like a band's music, just enjoy it. Just why be ashamed of enjoying something? That's
3: why I go back to the bow rap. I enjoy it because I'm a Queen fan. So yeah. that's why I like. So I call
2: it bow rap. Bo rap. Bo rap. Um, well, let us, um, uh, let us enjoy. Some right, uh, some throwin, doors music Throwing a line. you are uh, you are singing over you're talking over the top of uh,
3: oh, good. Roadhouse Blue. So that, that makes go. me oh well I won't get in the way. I just it just says Stone is an unabashed admirer of Jim Morrison. That, that, that yeah. that's what comes across for yeah. me. Yeah. And it's it, and it's complete it's a completely it's one half a complete Oliver Stone film in every regard. Yeah, yeah. And it's um and Val Kilmer is ace I think he's best on stage, actually. He's very good on stage in that film. Yes. Let's have a little
2: bit yeah. of the doors. We are. a bit of blues from The Doors that is not um, Val Kilmer singing that is Jim Morrison um, from The um, the Doors the, the film of the same name by um, directed by Oliver Stone um, thank you again for your contributions Paul Edwards has mentioned um, a fan of Walk the Line the Folsom bit at the end always gets me after he's done twisting the sword blade remembering how he's got to how he's got to where he is at that moment. The song's for your warden. Um, so, fantastic from everyone. I love getting all these tweets in, so thank you. We do have our chat room. I'm not sure how well that's working at the moment, but we, you can tweet us, you can email us. So, Twitter is Twitter is at Screenbrum, and email is info at screenbrum.co.uk. We're going to be carrying on talking about our favourite um, biopics, our musical biopics, and I want to bring one up, which... Uh, is, is, is a very well-known one, but it, it illustrates a thing I'd like to discuss, which is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, right? You know this. This is Hamlet retold from the point of view of some very, very background characters. So they're wandering around, seeing it from a different point of view. I would love to see a musical biopic that's like that. So, you know, Elton John's hairdresser or, um, you know... Um,
0: or, you know, my... You know, Rats, stage rat, hands, rat yeah. wrangler, yeah. Uh, all of
2: those things. And, and the film I was talking was thinking of, 1984's Amadeus, uh, directed by Milos Forman, mm. about Mozart, because, you know, the, the, the sort of, arguably the central figure on that is not Mozart himself, it's Salieri, it's about his relationship with Salieri. Um, and it's kind of from the point of view of Salieri. And I quite like that idea, and the way that the film does that, is this idea of, you know... Um, what's interesting i guess we we know everything about these people we can if we're fans we do especially we know everything about elvis and we know the way he looks and everything so quite interesting to get someone else's point of view and it's interesting hearing talk about things like hillary and jackie where it's a point of view from uh, not from jackie who's the the megastar it's from hillary and and it's not from Joan Jett it's from her bandmate you know so it's, it's interesting that a lot of the films we've already highlighted have that kind of slightly different point of view so i'm going to um recommend 1984's Amadeus. As I say, the other thing that, that Amadeus has as a dimension that a lot of the other films we've talked about doesn't is this sense of distance in time. So you don't have to worry about getting, you know, uh, Mozart's uh, widow to read the script in advance and check it for accuracy because no one knows the truth and uh, there's a long uh, gap in there. So. Um, and it also, I think, for me, this might tell a lot more about me than it does anything else, is it ties into this idea that we're all kind of slightly scared that we're not actually the main, vi- the main character in, our, in the, our time and in our lives and our stories, and we're perhaps the, uh, the mediocrity to other people's mega-stardom. That's how I feel uh, on this show anyway, particularly with all the guests we have through. So there we are. That is my choice. A Rosencrantz and Guildenstern for music. Amadeus. What do you think?
3: It was on my list too. Ah. I always think that you should have a little Peter Schaefer in your pocket so that whenever you find something funny, you should just pull that Peter Schaefer and you go... <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
3: uh, That's a terrifying image. Oh, I, lo- I love that laugh. <laughs> you should have got you got the Oscar alone on that laugh. Um, oh, you know, it's fabulously entertaining, Amadeus.
2: Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, I've watched it many, many
2: times. Um, and again, it does have yeah. that thing of... of you know maybe this is this isn't fair but trying to make you know he's, he's a rock star right you know it's rock and roll is is kind of what he's doing and having to f- perhaps there's a, there's a danger in there that it has to sort of force it into that into that category in a way that perhaps hillary and jackie doesn't
3: and i think it's it's a nice riff on the the mystery of genius and also the idea of competitiveness i think mm. that rides at the heart of it drives it all the yeah, way through yeah, yeah that's brilliant very um, cool Yeah.
2: Okay. Amadeus 1984. Now we're joined uh, in the studio uh, by Lucy. Now Lucy is usually in a little sort of separate, i would say pod cubicle office. (laughs) It's larger than our studio anyway. Uh, But she's here with us and she's going to be joining in with some other contributions. Now, um, apart from um, control, have you had any strong disagreements, Lucy, from what we've been talking about so far? No, I
1: think I've pretty much agreed with everything else. I like... So I I will refrain from getting all fidelity, Barry. On you again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you're, you're in the clear on that one.
2: <laughs> fabulous, fabulous. Um, now, um, Sabina, we've got um, half an hour left of the show, and there is another film that you wanted to highlight, wasn't there?
0: Yes, Lovey on Oz.
2: Good, good I, accent.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> so, that's, that's not as good as some other people would say it. So, so, so tell us a bit try. about this film. It's the biography of. I haven't prepared anything on this one because it's just one I, I just love. Um, Edith Piaf, um, the phenomenal Edith Piaf. Um, her oh, life. I not that any, no? If that's meant to be the <laughs> Vian Rose, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. Okay. Reminds me what about, was that?
2: Uh, sorry, I, had, <laughs> I, I used to have um, many years ago, but this has just suddenly popped into my head. I remember a, a girlfriend I had at the time um, visiting her grandmother, and her, and her grandmother saying was talking about Edith Piaf, and she was really sort of you know, sort of classics sort of little old lady, and she said, um, you know, she said something about Edith Piaf, and I said I don't know who Edith Piaf was. You know, I was like twenty at the time, and um, and she didn't say anything, but then the next time I saw her, she she'd got a typewriter and typed out a little note, a little kind of primer of who she was. The the, the Rose of Paris and everything, and she typed and it with an old typewriter, so I had this piece of paper with a kind of crib sheet of who Edith that's, Piaf was, so that was my that's lovely. Yeah. you
0: still got that?
2: I haven't, no. Sorry.
0: No, you should have that.
2: I know, I, I know, it was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's move on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, um, the wonderful Marion Cotillard, as, as Edith, um, I, I just think it's... I know she she I don't think she sang live, I don't think she performed. Um I think she mined, and I think that that came in for a little bit of stick, um, from from people, but I, I can't remember I can't really remember any what the feedback was from the film. Um i think it's a beautiful film i mean i I defy anyone not to be moved by Edith piaf i think she's one of these she's one of these singers that you can just listen to her all day and you will stop what you're doing because when she comes on it's it's all about her i mean she was just had the most remarkable voice the Mm. most remarkable songs um and i and i just i do love the film i think it's a beautiful film i think there's there's one particular scene when it's um her part she's lost her partner and at the time i you know it's showing her walking through her apartments and it's heartbreaking do you remember which which scene it is and it's just you know she's you know looking for him in her apartment mm. and obviously he's just died and it's it's yeah it's it's uh, she, Marion is very good and she's very i think she's very underused in other films i think in this one was her tour de force and i think uh, she won the Oscar for it and i think um she's done a couple of other films since that maybe have they i think she's just underused i think she needs to be more things she's mm. just she's a great actor she's a, she is good and i know people said she didn't look like Edith Pierre she didn't but. How can you resent? It was the great Heath Peabody. It's a tough act to live up to when, when you're playing someone like that. I he's universally adored.
2: This, this it, you know, we've, we've talked about it already yeah. today. But this idea of you know this of being being judged on the on the physical um, mm. sort of impression is one thing. But and taking the flip of that, the other side is the um um I haven't seen it, but the Bob Dylan biopic where he's played by multiple yes. characters, including. A uh, woman and and um, Kay
0: Blanchard, yeah, yeah,
2: and and I love that idea of of saying let's I mean, actually. That amazing. Yeah. You,
3: mean you need to see that?
2: Um, yes, I have. I've written down on my piece of paper. We have to talk. I'm not there. That's all I've written <laughs> down in my notes because I have not <laughs> seen yes. it. But um, but yeah, um, a great one. So and obviously great music as well. Yeah.
0: I can't. I I think she does. I think she's she's good, and I think she does. You can see. I think you try and see. Edith Piaf has, you know, she does become her. In my in my eyes, she does. But I think other people had reservations. I could be wrong. I could be wrong because I haven't. I, it's been a while you, since I read anything. That's the great it. thing
2: about having an opinion. Yeah. You can't be wrong.
0: Yeah. It's just, it's just an opinion, <laughs> I <be>
2: right? <laughs> I mean, Tim's opinions sometimes are are wrong. But um, you know, in the main, it's impossible. he's looking at me, very angrily there? So, I like Ready Player One. <laughs> I'm just going to turn that microphone right down right now. I love Ready Player One. Let's I just like. let's just, just have that like. sink in. Um, okay, all right. The, the gloves are off now, Tim. James Bond is a misogynist. Yes, he
0: is. <laughs> okay. He is, that's, usually, that's universal. <laughs> that's not a <laughs> <that's laughs> yeah. that
2: controversial opinion. I'm going to play a little bit more music now uh, and then we're going to have a, a rundown of some more because um, this is from another film that's been mentioned a number of times and it is brilliant. And again, this idea of multiple actors playing the character, uh, Love and Mercy. Where um, Brian Wilson is played by uh, Paul Dano uh, in his younger years and John Cusack uh, in his uh, later years. And um, this is a, an absolutely brilliant performance. Um, we're used to the Beach Boys, of course, as these incredibly lush, powerful, orchestrated um, sort of studio extravaganzas. And this is a sequence in when Paul Dano's playing God Only Knows for the first time, and it's, it's delicate and fragile. And just such a fabulous, fabulous version. So let's have a listen to that. And we'll be back soon here on Screen. Oh, lovely, wasn't it? God Only Knows, as played by Paul Dano from the soundtrack to Love and Mercy. This is a big... A big one for you, isn't it, Lucy?
1: Yes, this is my big choice, so, so that approve. is a perfect way to start, even if it's made me tear up a little bit. So, why do you it's like unavoidable. it? Um, I think it's absolutely wonderful. Um, you've got the two parts of Brian Wilson's life, so you've got Um, well as you just said there's Paul Dano as him in the 60s where he's starting to record pet sounds and Paul Dano becomes Brian Wilson it's just incredible watching him do that part he's obviously studied um, Brian Wilson's mannerisms from that time his stance, his behaviour his speech pattern everything so carefully that it's like it's become a part of himself and so you don't feel like you're watching someone and um, copy Brian Wilson you feel like you're watching someone who's become Brian Wilson mm. and that's so rare to happen in something like this I can't think of anyone else that's done it to that kind of standard Well really. you haven't seen
2: Hysteria the Deaf Leopard story so no, I wait haven't. and okay. before you say that. And okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, then you've got in the period in a period during the eighties you've got John Cusack and that is clearly played with such love. And admiration of him. It's a beautiful thing to watch. and It's, it's
2: a very delicate thing because yeah. this is a point when he's not very well No,
1: and, and there's he, a danger of it
2: being exploited, isn't it? So, brass.
1: yeah, because he's under Eugene Landy at that point who was this awful, awful part of his life who controlled him for um, a, a, a quite a period of time and Brian was completely under his spell because of his problems. Um, he He's a very vulnerable person and he's been taken advantage of so badly for a, a lot of his life. Mm. And Eugene Landy is just one of the most sinister figures that I, I can think now, of. Who, and who plays Eugene Landy in the film? Paul Giamatti. That's it. And he is incredible. <coughs> he makes your skin crawl. He's just... Awful. And there was um, a, a thing I read that Brian Wilson watched the film after it was made. And he actually said that Paul Giamatti was that good as Eugene Landy, that he um, had sort of a disassociative state whilst during some of his scenes and believed it was Dr. Landy and had huge anxiety attacks and issues after his parts in the film oh, really? because he he believed it was him he were, he was that accurate in the role
2: it's a and it's a it's a fantastic film mm. uh, great music and yeah and 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 certainly one of the un, one of the unusual biopics that a lot of the focus is not on the uh, the music really
1: no but i think it was really Delicately and respectfully done as well, because, as I say, he has been taken advantage of so badly um, for a lot of his life, and it didn't feel like that was an extent. This was an extension of that. Mm-hmm. I, I think they 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 respected him and they didn't um, delve too deeply into things. They they um, they they looked at all these elements of his life but they didn't exploit it. You know, it it referenced many problems that he had or parts of his life, such as his year in bed, and, you know, that's touched on, but it's not exploited. It's not gone into in a um, kind of ghoulish way, um, which often happens with... um, ..often with biopics, but particularly with documentaries as well, um... And that that didn't happen with it. There's a huge amount of love in the production, and that that's really f- felt in it. Um, and, and you've got the part where he he begins to regain his some semblance of normality at the end with mm. meeting his partner, and it, it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, because of his issues and. The way he has been abused so heavily—it's it, treated really delicately, mm. I think.
2: A redemptive story, I guess, is the is the way it would appear on a poster. A redemptive <laughs> story of love and mercy. There you go. I should I should be working for Warner Brothers. Um, so we've got uh, just fifteen minutes left of the Screen Brum show. Still, chance for you at home to let us know any more uh, f- films that you. Um, would like to to cite as musical biopics of note. Uh, Keith Bloomfield has responded to my uh, suggestion that um, frank is is not really a biopic of the genuine um, character of um, uh, Frank Slybottom by saying everything that happens in that film is true. And you know what there's a there's a difference Keith between true and actually happened. yeah it may well still be true. Without actually having happened, let's let's leave it at that, shall we? Um, so yeah, any more tweets that you would like uh, at, at, to send us? Do that at, at Screen Brum. We've got fifteen minutes left for our honourable mentions. Any other films that we would like to talk about, Sabina,
0: the Glenn Miller story, mm. Jimmy Stewart the, as the big band leader. It's Jimmy Stewart doing what he does best. Um, it's a safe film, I think. It's I think it was. There were certain things that didn't apparently didn't align i am not too sure, but it's an enjoyable it's an enjoyable watch, even though you know what's going to happen at the end um as very often we do with these these films um but it's good it's got good music that's what you want i mean mm. if you like Glenn Miller music, you're gonna love the film if you like Jimmy Stewart, you're gonna like the film do you it's know it's what? Just too a big good ticks film. for me, so yeah. It's it's up. one, it's just it's one it's, it's usually on like Sunday afternoon or something, but it on it's yeah, it's, it's it's not one of these that delves deeply if I recall. I think it pretty much skims the surface. Um, plays it very safe. But it's an enjoyable film. That's what you are. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, w- sorry, Tim. Do you have any another you'd like to mention?
3: I will just throw in. I mean, talk of going the other, going completely flip, opposite direction. Sid and Nancy, mm. um, just to see Gary Oldman's uh, incarnation of Sid Vicious, but also uh, Chloe Webb's. Um, what I would call, yeah, Chloe, Chloe Webb's Na- Nancy is like it's like a Bonnie and Clyde. It's like they're Bonnie and Clyde, Sid and Nancy, almost. She's extraordinary, man. She's
0: extraordinary. She's extraordinary.
3: Mm. It' perfect. F- and and um, so this is directed by Alex Cox, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I remember, I think John Lyden sold Alex Cox that he sh- he ought to be shot for uh, when it came yeah. out, and then came to praise the performance that Gary Oldman gives.
0: I think yeah. it was too painful because I think he he never kind of got over Sid yeah. death. I think it's still is still quite haunted by that. So I think, yeah, he was deeply. I think he's always deeply affected by anything to do with Sid Vicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's 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 a film that kind of. Um, it's it's not an immediate film. It gives a lot of kind of feel, and internalising and gesture rather than being of an immediate. It's quite guttural. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's a yeah pretty grim story. It's pretty yeah. grim, pretty unpleasant. Yeah. But I, I it's not a film I'll w- go and watch out of. Uh, <laughs> but I think I just mentioned it because it is because uh, those two performances are.
0: I watched it about Pretty 20 powerful. years ago and I, it's one of these films that I don't need to watch again. Yeah, exactly, I think it just yeah, stayed exactly, with yeah. me like, the whole time. Yeah, I
3: think Alex Cox, Alex Cox achieved what he wanted to achieve out yeah. of that big time, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, I still, I still um, raise a smile every time I hear the the Freddie Mercury story. You know, sort of the Sex Pistols and you know, the Queen were, were pretty much everything they they were opposed to, and, and he just referred to him as Simon Ferocious <laughs> <laughs> when he met him apparently. Which yeah, he he made, said He did not like that. <laughs> they,
3: were, they were both. They were. Yeah, they were both. In the, they were both recording albums in the same uh, in studios opposite each other, and uh, Sid came in and tried to taunt Freddie, and Freddie taught him. To, <clears throat>
2: off. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, there we are. I Freddie had Mercury. Had that
0: before, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: I'm. going to give another of my um, my honourable mentions, which um, I'm surprised that no one's mentioned. Actually, is um, Ray, um, my son. Um, uh, also a film, 2004 film directed by Taylor Hatchford, uh, Hatchford, who also did La Bamba and uh, When We Were Kings. So he's he's kind of a a trilogy of biopics, and uh, and this is, um, uh, I've I've completely forgotten his surname. Ray Charles. I was going to say Ray Davis, but um, sorry, Ray Charles. And um, you know, the, the he died again, um, similar to um, uh, what the line. We have a situation where he died just um, before the film came out, which adds a little frisson to it. But it's for me, it's an acting masterclass. If nothing else, just watch it for performances. Um, Jamie Fox um, plays um, Ray Charles in it, and it's just un- both again both on and off stage, just an uncanny performance. Which again, he won the Oscar for. It seems to be coming through a lot in what we're talking about here. Is yeah. you know, it's a, it's I guess biopics are a very good way for an actor to show their metal. Um, you know, often you don't. I think that's the case with actors. It's very hard sometimes for the audience um, to, to sort of notice what they're doing you know, you, you, you know you, they just look the same right so they're just talking and stuff and it's very hard to sort of see the subtlety of a performance and then when you see someone doing you know embodying a different person um, that you know I think you know obviously when it's done badly um, you'll really notice it but when it's done well you can really see it in this. Probably- I think
0: as well vanity comes into it when an actor's willing just to physically alter you know their appearance whether through prosthetics or through standing a different way, through their posture, through their movement. Mm. And I think if they're willing to do that for the sake of either looking less than pretty or on camera, that's always something to consider, mm. that they're willing to go that extra mile to really become that character rather than just play it looking like themselves. Yeah. So I think that will always garner points.
2: Um, I want to give a shout-out to Sharon Warren in that part, in the, is playing the part of uh, Ray Charles's mother who have, um, I, I, again when I saw the film in 2004 her performance she's instilling a, a kind of uh, powerful sense of, of independence and strength in him obviously you know he came in from a very disadvantaged position and um, you know poor black guy in America who was blind it's um, you know she taught him not to not to take any help and really push, push himself Um great performance from her and I don't think she's ever seemed to have done anything since Sarah Warren I don't know I may be wrong Daryl Davis, I know you're out there. Um, <laughs> to let us know what I might have missed, but um, yeah, that's another another one I would like to to give a shout out for 2004's Ray. So, do we have anything else? Lucy has got her rolling um, multiple pages of her of her notebook ready for us.
1: Well, most of what I wrote today has already been talked about, so that that's that's great <laughs> 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 Le Rose was another yeah. of my was, uh, main choices, she's just stunning in that, I and mean, it's such a beautiful story mm. and heartbreaking yeah. um, but it, it's um, yeah Marion Cotillard is just incredible in that role um, um, another one I'd like to mention which is another French one is Gainsbourg um, I haven't seen that Life it, it's fantastic. I've not. I've actually not seen it in a while now, but it's one of those films that sticks so clearly in your memory and imagination that I. It, it's. I still remember it like I watched it last week, which is quite a. Uh, you know, I watch a lot of films, <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and for it to stick, for it to stick that well, it, it's. It's brilliant. It's um, by. Johan Sfar, if I've pronounced that correctly, um, and it's based on his graphic novel that he wrote about Gainsbourg originally. Okay. And it incorporates um, images from that as animations, and it, it's the whole thing's got this wonderful um, fairy tale. Quality to well, it. I'm it's, sold, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it. It's old. Yeah, it's borderline fantasy. It's it's got the really. It's got his life story. It goes from his childhood right through his death and everything in between. And um, there's not very much that's glossed over. And it, it doesn't. Though he was an incredible, incredible man, he also wasn't necessarily the. The best of men. <laughs> um, and, it, it you know, it, it, it treats him as that. Um, th- there's nothing, you know, th- there is an e- element of it being romanticised, but that's kind of unavoidable with someone like Serge Gainsborough. Um, See, he, he is that, <laughs> to an extent. Um, but it also doesn't pretty it so much. It, it, um we, but it has this—I say—it's a fairy tale-like quality to it. It's quite dreamlike, and mm. um, it, it's—it's if you can—if you haven't seen it, do try and find it. It can be fairly difficult to get hold of. It didn't—I did don't it, think it ever had a proper release here. It's I saw t- it.
3: I, saw, oh. I did see it at Cineworld. What well, as you, you see, yeah, oh, okay. with my brother. And I just remember it being very bonkers.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, I, and that's probably why I never saw it. I never put it into my biopic list, because it didn't feel like a biopic. It felt yeah. like a fantasy.
1: Yeah.
3: Um. Yeah and that's that totally makes you want to watch it as well again thank you for bringing that up I completely forgot
2: yeah Um I've just remembered uh, another one that I was desperate to mention um, I've
0: remembered one more too okay well, <laughs> yes we've already got the same guess, one guess
2: for Sabina
0: um, Beyond the Sea Bobby Darin. yes because I I started that one I was like this is going to be great and I was like oh no it, was just, it just descended into this fantasy mm. um Kevin Spacey really wanted to make this story because his Bobby Darren was his mum's favorite singer so he wanted to make this film for his mum and it starts off well and then it goes into this strange like fantasy it's like he's doing a production of his life story and I just don't know I, I didn't yeah it could have been very good it could have it could have you know been i'm not saying walk the line but it could have gone on that Mm. kind of trajectory and instead it it just went on this fantastical route and i wasn't into it i just thought Mm. it went quite farcical (laughs) i didn't like it at all Uh, and i love bobby darren's music i love the songs so for me it was really a disappointment but then i could i don't know if if, did you like it i haven't
1: seen that right yeah it's another one on the Watched this. Yeah, I'm
0: curious how, if I watch it again, if I'll enjoy it more. But I was so looking forward to it. And again, I think yeah. this is
2: interesting because I think Bobby Darren is someone that I certainly don't know anything about. And I think a lot yeah. of people may not know too much about him. So you're going into the. A lot I'm of, old, that's why. Um, I, 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 am, I guarantee <laughs> I'm the oldest person in this room. Because um, I remember, um, you know, back in uh, the film I wanted to mention, 2003. Now, no one's going to have heard of this. I might be wrong. Eroica. Anyone heard Eroica. of Eroica. Eroica, fantastic film. by the Eroica Symphony. Um, it's directed by Simon Kellan-Janes. Um, now, what it was, was, it was a BBC film that was a co-production between their drama department and their classical music department. So it's, it is a, uh, a film about a, a single day, which is the first performance of, which was the 9th of June, 1804, I remember it well. Um, when it was the first performance of Beethoven's Third Symphony, which later became known as the Eroica Symphony. Um, it was... So what we have is we have Ian Hart playing Beethoven, um, introducing the, the performance, and then we have a full performance. So it is a musical biopic with a, a, a large part of it is a, sing, a single performance. But all the, it, for the first time, it was all of the instruments, the size and number of players and the size of the room that it was originally performed in. So it is. It is. It is a kind of reconstruction of that event, um, and 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 that's what makes it really interesting because it feels like it is. And, and it, it was a you know in the, in history of classical music it was a very pivotal pivotal moment because uh, Haydn came along and, and watched the performance and declared from this day forward everything is changed. And it's kind of the end of, of a classical moving to romantic period of, of classical music. It certainly was this is the film that got me into classical music actually, because one of the things that you have in it is this record this. You suddenly realise how music was performed then. How basically only rich people could hear it. Certainly, you know this type of music only rich people could hear it. So you've got, you know, this this Jack Devonport has this patron who who puts this performance on, and then you've got um, these musicians playing it, and then the only the, the the servants having to sort of stay stay still, very emotionless. Whilst their minds have been blown, they've never heard anything like this. You know, even less than the than the than the invited audience, they're hearing this stuff, and it's it's incredibly powerful. And reminds you of the power of music. Um, so um, it's it's a film that seems to have disappeared. As I say, it was a BBC film, you know, Ian Hart. Um, but I would I recommend you, you look into it if you're interested in in sort of if you don't know much about classical music, it's a great kind of way of kind of experiencing it, almost as if it's a gig. You know, not just not a concert, a gig, because they're in this, you know, this rich person's uh, lounge. Um, and he um, originally, the, 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 the symphony was, was named the Napoleon, and um, he'd become disheartened with Napoleon, tore the front page off with the name and the dedication, and he changed the name of it. But yes, um, I wanted to mention that once. If anyone out there hasn't heard of their Eroica symphony, then listen to that and watch that. Right, we are right up at the end of the show, I'm sorry to say. Anyone have any artists that they would love to see a biopic of that has not yet been made? Uh, Glenn Campbell. Oh, yeah, like that. I
3: don't know, I need to at least maybe have some time, because it's only recently. Uh... Yeah. And he recently departed. Yeah, Glenn I mean, there's Campbell. Been, there's an excellent documentary that came out uh, last year or the year before, which covered the sort of the last years that's and right, the yeah. uh, the family going on. To, you know, the family forming the band to go on and do his last tour, and it's incredibly powerful and mm. moving. And uh, yeah, it's yeah, very, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Tears. It's great. Yeah, yeah. As he was suffering from from Alzheimer's, but he has a story name. to tell. That's mm. for sure. Um, and it, you know, uh, yeah good rock and roll story as well
2: okay the glenn campbell story yeah. is is uh, tim's bid yeah lucy wilson let me say i was gonna say lucy wilson apologies you have not uh changed <laughs> your name uh i i know what you're gonna
1: say i think i know you what
2: you're gonna me. say um, i think i know what you're gonna say but am i wrong
1: possibly um it would be quite a horrific one but um gg allen um i think that would be Utterly horrible, but fascinating. I was Gigi Hart. Um, he was a punk musician, um, and he he um, had issues, to, to put it very politely. Um, and he's come up in conversations that I've been having quite a few times recently. I think he's um, sort of re-entered um, sort of public consciousness mm. recently. I'm not too sure why. I don't know if it's some kind of reactive thing that these kind of people are um, coming back into mind more. What is it about his life that that you think would be... I'm looking at a picture
2: of him now. It looks absolutely terrifying. Oh, yes. Um, yes. What is it about Um, his life?
1: Well, he he was... um, he was christened as Jesus Christ, Alan. That's going to put um, some pressure on you yeah, as not it? Yeah, his father um, was convinced that he was going to be the new messiah. Mm. And his father was um, a, a terrifying, awful, awful person. He made his family dig their own graves in the cellar. And, mm. yeah, so G.G. Allen didn't have the best upbringing. It was never going to turn out brilliantly for him and his um, on-stage antics were interesting interesting mm-hmm. interesting a, a lot of them aren't really repeatable <laughs> in polite um radio circumstances i see, um, I, see but I, I think it would just be a fascinating story sort of you know kind of um a sort
2: of gentle kind of um uh, Bohemian Rhapsody style. Yeah, a year, a you
3: a film. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was just reading I oh, know, I was reading some facts. He um he, he threatened to um commit suicide many sorry, many times and actually did when he, he when he did die of a heroin overdose it was an accident.
2: Hmm.
3: Yeah. Um, he also he, he was buried with a bottle of Jim bean as requested. That is
2: rock and roll. These, these are all the things that I can. These are the facts I can tell you about. Um, well, yeah. let's. Uh, any aspiring filmmakers I, out I, there, I definitely G want to G see Alan's story is <laughs> available. Um, we're right up against the end of the so Stabina. Do you have an artist you would like to see? I don't
0: think we're gonna. I'm gonna top that. No, I think that's a good one to end on. I I'd thought- like to see that myself now. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, let's uh, let's hope that someone out there is gonna is gonna do justice to the Gigi Allen story. Um, one, f- one for Netflix. <laughs> yeah. The series, GPM. <laughs> the series, ten parts. Ten, a ten part, yeah. Played, yeah. Played by Ewan McGregor, no doubt. Um, sorry, that sounded quite no, contentious. Not Ewan McGregor. <laughs>
0: um,
2: thank you, everyone. Thank you um, to to Tim Wilson. Uh, Cheers. Thank you, of course, as ever, Lucy Beth, our producer.
1: Thank you very much.
2: And a very special. Uh, thank you to our guest Sabina Stent, Doctor Sabina thank Stent. You.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: Thank you for coming in, and thank you everyone at home for your contributions and for your um, tweets. Tim, you wanted to add one final thing. You're gesticulating wildly. Anyway, we're taking a few weeks off. Oh yes, we are taking a slight week, uh, a slight hiatus, but we will be back November the 30th. November the 30th. Um, so uh, in the meantime, there is a lot of old shows. You can go back on Mixcloud, look for Screen Brum. go to Spotify, search for Screen Brum. Uh, go to wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have missed any of this show, it will be available on all those formats soon as well. Everyone, can I say a big thank you? I hope you all have a fantastic musical weekend and uh, stay safe. Take care and goodbye.
1: Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you've enjoyed it,
2: please consider joining our listener supporters. You can do this by clicking the support tab on our website or we'll go direct to Patreon at
3: www.patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio shows are streamed online at the Brum Radio Mixcloud page and you can find more podcasts at brumradio.com.